Welcome to everyone. My name is Sue Zappel. I'm one of the local Dharma leaders and will be your fearless leader this morning. Um, we're going to be doing just like um, Tim and Tawari will be leading us tomorrow night um, in taking the refuges. We're not going to be doing the precepts because I decided we didn't have time to do both. So I'm just focusing on the refuges this morning. We will start our lovely morning of taking refuges. This might be new for some people, and um, it might be old hat for others. It's a lovely tradition that we do in Sims. We've been doing it from the get-go, the first week of January every year. And um, the first three lines, they're just, they're, it's the same line, but it's chanted three times. And um, I will encourage you to listen and then chant along. Um, you'll start hearing how the, the sounds go up and down. Um, and um, here we go. Namo tasa bhagavato arahato sama sambuddhasa. Namo tasa bhagavato arahato sama sambuddhasa. Namo tasa bhagavato arahato sama sambuddhasa. Homage to the Blessed One noble and perfected enlightened one. Buddham Saranam Gachami Dhamam Saranam Gachami Sangam Saranam Gachami Why don't we do that one again and each of you can chant in your own space. Buddham Saranam Gachami, Dhamam Saranam Gachami, Sangam Saranam Gachami. To the Buddha, I go for refuge. To the Dhamma, I go for refuge. To the Sangha, I go for refuge. Duryampi Buddham Saranam Gachami Duryampi Dhamam Saranam Gachami Duryampi Sangam Saranam Gachami We'll do it one more time for everyone to be able to chant together. Duryampi Buddham Saranam Gachami Duryampi Dhamam Saranam Gachami Duryampi Sangam Saranam Gachami For the second time to the Buddha I go for refuge. For the second time to the Dhamma I go for refuge. For the second time to the Sangha I go for refuge. Tadiyampi Buddham Saranam Gachami 
Tadiyampi damam saranam gachami. Tatiampi sanam saranam gachami. For the third time to the Buddha, I go for refuge. For the third time to the Dhamma, I go for refuge. For the third time to the Sangha, I go for refuge. Tanisaro Bhikkhu says that taking refuge is where one commits oneself to taking the Dhamma as the primary guide to one's life. He goes on to describe some of the history of taking refuge. I hadn't known this before. Before Buddha's time, going for refuge meant proclaiming one's allegiance to a powerful patron in hopes of receiving protection from danger. That process morphed during the Buddha's time into taking refuge in the Buddha, the Dhamma, and the Sangha out of the knowledge that this human life is fraught with dangers. They're the dangers of greed, hatred, and delusion. One of the reasons why, one of the main reasons why we practice just like we say in our Sunday morning community statement, is to free our minds from greed, hatred, and delusion. So taking refuge is an essential step towards freeing our minds. At Sims, we've always recited the refuges and precepts at the beginning of each year. And as I mentioned when we first started for this morning, we usually take the, the precepts as well. But I had too much to say about refuges, so I didn't have time to talk about precepts. Maybe we'll do that another time. So early on, you know, I came to understand what these refuges meant. To the Buddha, who was both a historical figure, but really more importantly, the Buddha, he represented the possibility of freedom. He attained it. We've heard all those stories. He understood it, we believed it, and his liberation has given us a confidence to find that for ourselves. For the Dhamma, you know, all the teachings, all the lists, the suttas, the stories, but most importantly, the central teaching of being with the truth of things as they are. And then, of course, the Sangha, this beautiful community of people on the same path. In thinking about doing this talk, you know, I, I do what I think each of us does. We go listen to other people's talks and we kind of look at suttas and study and sit with it and we figure out how are we going to talk about this. So I went to a teacher whose name is James Baraz. Many of you might know him. He's on the Spirit Rock Teacher Council. And he also does this fabulous Dharma series on joy. If you ever want to do something that's just really a lovely Dharma exploration. Anyway, so I listened to James's talk. And he talks about taking refuge with two aspects, the inner and the outer. 
And I was really sparked by his talk and spent the next couple of weeks kind of reflecting a lot on this teaching. And so my understanding just recently has really broadened. For the, for the Buddha, the outer, of course, is what I thought about before, the historical figure who found freedom and the inspirational model of the process of awakening. But the inner process, this inner taking refuge, is taking refuge in the Buddha in ourselves. It's really that deep trust, that deep confidence and faith that we too can find that same kind of freedom. It's knowing that that Buddha inside of ourselves is already there. For the Dhamma, the outer, of course, is the teachings handed down 2,600 years ago. But inner is the embodiment of those teachings to be just like what we do every time we sit, to be exactly with what is happening in the moment. Be with the way things are right now, not the way we wanted them to be, not filled with aversion and clinging and stories, but really with the way things are right now. And then the sangha. Of course, it's not only these lovely faces who we sit with, the actual community gathered in practice. The outer sangha is also made up of all the people, thousands, millions, I don't know, over these 2,600 years, who've made it possible for the Dhamma to be passed on. But the inner is really opening to the truth of the connections within the Sangha and the strength that the Sangha gives to each of us. It's really that mushiness that came up for me as I was leading the, you know, the gratitude section. It's what does the Sangha mean to us? It's my thinking of how Gene Canning often raises that little post-it where he has a heart and sangha. And thank you, Gene, for that. And from both James Baraz and then Tanisaro Bhikkhu, I mentioned at the beginning, they both stress that this internal level of the sangha, it's really where true refuge is found. I'd like to say a bit more about these, each of these three. So finding the Buddha within, taking refuge in this inner way of the Buddha. I think the first thing that happens is it challenges all those thoughts that have been around ever since we were little, of self-defacement, of believing we weren't good enough, or didn't work hard enough, or didn't deserve happiness, or a good life, or that our old traumas and hurts stood in, stood in the way as obstacles to the freedom that the Buddha represents. We each have our own stories about that. We each have those obstacles that challenge that faith or that statement, I can do this. Remember that the Buddha said, if he didn't believe we were all capable of doing it, he wouldn't ask us to. That always has meant a lot to me. And this, this process of making, taking the refuge in the Buddha internally, I think addressing those challenges 
those old beliefs and thoughts about, you know, the, um, where, whether we deserve this, whether we're capable of it, whether we know how to work hard enough, just challenging those thoughts, I think is one of the real gifts in this process of taking refuge. We each discover on our own the truth of our own inherent value. The truth of the fact that the Buddha does live within us. Within each of us is the possibility of freedom. Would we really keep practicing? Would we really keep coming back every Sunday, every Monday to, you know, all the days that you practice, all those five minutes that you set your computer to, to remind you to just quiet down and breathe and whatever? Would we keep doing this if we didn't believe that it was possible for us? At least on some level, there is that belief. And every time we have those little moments of freedom, we know it's true. Those moments where we see a delusion, where we just call BS on ourselves, you know, we go, well, that's, you know, where did I just go? And what's the, the craziness of that? Those moments where we spontaneously act out of kindness and generosity, we didn't overthink it, we just did it. Those moments where we refrain from harsh speech, even though that's just in there, the mind is saying, oh, this and that, and you did this and whatever, and we're just quiet and we're just present. Those moments when we cease being so angry at those that we disagree with and see them as a product of their causes and conditions, just like we are, just like our causes and conditions brought us to our own opinions and perspectives. Those moments of quietude where, which we receive with such a sense of gratitude and safety, that still solid knowledge that this is where we belong, this place of quiet and reflection. I think that's, that's how we find taking refuge in the Buddha internally. Then finding the Dhamma within. Yesterday I was at the, I sat with the Sangha at Clear Mountain. Um, a number of you know about it. It's run by these lovely monks. And many of us go there sometimes in person, sometimes um, on Zoom. And one of the visiting monks in answer to a question, reflected on why he has such a deep affection for the five recollections. For those of you who don't know the five recollections, it's a wonderful practice, and I'll just share them. I am of the nature to grow old. There is no way to escape growing old. I am of the nature to have ill health. There is no way to escape having ill health. I am of the nature to die. There is no way to escape death. All that is dear to me and everyone I love are of the nature to change. There's no way to escape being separated from them. My actions are my only true belongings. I cannot escape the consequences of my actions. My actions are the ground on which I stand. So yesterday there was this question about the fourth recollection. 
the one that basically says, I will become separated from all I hold dear. And this lovely monk from who is visiting from Thailand, he explained his affection by describing it as the solace that comes from hearing the truth. Whew, you know how sometimes a teaching just comes and goes right in there? You know how that is where you just, those are the words you needed. And um, my eyes filled with tears and I went, yes, the solace of hearing the truth, the solace of living with the truth, the solace of being with the truth, the solace of knowing when the truth is there. When I first heard the Dhamma at my first retreat in 1983, I felt as if I had found my home, my place of comfort. You know, solace is often defined, in case that word doesn't resonate with you, it's often defined as comfort, especially in a time of distress. So the Dhamma, when we allow it to take root inside of ourselves, offers comfort in those times of dukkha, those times of unsatisfactoriness, of distress, argument, of clinging, whatever, however the dukkha is showing up in that moment. And then finding the Sangha within. In the early days of Sims, we sometimes, for those of you who've been around a long time, and I know Janelle has been, remember at St. Mark's, there'd be 150 to 200 people there showing up. Rodney used to sometimes say, hey, you know, this isn't church. You're just not coming to hear the sermon. You know, this is, this is more about that. This is your life we're talking about. And while we were a sangha, sometimes it had that kind of feeling of, People coming in and listening to Rodney's talks and stuff. It really wasn't until I started volunteering and sharing my own experiences with other people and joining a Kalyana Mita group and, and saying to somebody else, what the hell? I didn't understand anything Rodney just said. And somebody else would give me their perspective. It wasn't until I really landed and said, oh, this is my home. This is my sangha, where I took steps to engage, to open up, to work with, to talk with, laugh with, cry with. That's when I really took the sangha inside. So taking the refuge is an act of commitment in the practice to the teachings, to living a life grounded in sila and the ethics of you know, doing no harm, of living a life of generosity and kindness and wisdom, totally the opposite of greed, hatred, and delusion. And I'm kind of going on a little long here, I realize, but I, I wanted to also share a different way of looking at the refuges as a doorway, as an inspiration, and as an instruction for practice. For the Buddha, I think the Buddha is a doorway to transformation. Christina Feldman likes to say, transformation is always possible. And that's where I find that's that doorway. It's also the inspiration. The Buddha did it. We believe it. And most importantly, as I mentioned earlier, the Buddha said we could do it. And he had 
confidence in us. You know, the, the Buddha was the original teacher, and some teachers describe the, the Buddha as all the teachers that have followed. Tim and Tawari, who are our teachers now, who give us that confidence, who remind us that um, we can keep taking inspiration and that this is a doorway. And then in the practice, you know, sometimes taking the refuge in the Buddha can be a little daunting. I mean, you know, he, he nearly died from becoming this ascetic and never ate anything. And then he sat down and he said, I ain't moving till I figure this out. And then he was attacked by Mara. I don't know about you, but when I think about the idea of following in Buddhist footsteps, you know, it's like, Phew, that's a little hard. But then there, I found this teaching from Ajahn Suchito, who said, take the image of the Buddha of wisdom, kindness, and compassion. Take the image of the Buddha that lifts us up, not puts us down or feeds that part of us of I'm not doing this right. So then with the Dhamma, it's a doorway because it for me, it's one doorway that leads to another doorway that leads to another doorway. You start out, you hear a talk, and then you go, what was that sutta? Where do I find it? You ask somebody, where do I find it? Then you go read that. And then you go, wow, that was really interesting. And then somebody mentions something else. And then before you know it, you start coming to the Buddhist essentials classes. And you start listening, you go down Dharma seed and you give them money and you listen to the, some more talks. That, And then you hear about modern neuroscience, and which is confirming a lot of what the Buddha learned way back 2,600 years ago. That doorway, it keeps opening in. It keeps saying, come, come in. Come inside and learn more. I find the teachings to be amazingly inspirational. They're profound. They're complex, sometimes confusing, but they're also simple. You know, just the simple teaching in the Dhamma of stop arguing with what is. Just that teaching, the inspiration of that. I think I may have shared before, but a few months ago, I did. I made in a clear intention to stop arguing with manifestations of aging. Whew, what a practice that has become, <laughs> you know, with the latest pain or the forgetting words or whatever. And then the the practice in terms of the Dhamma, that the more we study, the more we're in, inspired, the greater the opportunity to integrate the teachings. And we find that the Dhamma is really embodied in our heart and mind. It's what Philip Moffat says, that we find that the Dhamma does you. Those moments when you didn't plan it, but you're, you're acting, you're living, you're speaking from that. Dhamma that is deeply inside of you. And then, of course, the Sangha. The Sangha is such a doorway to greater faith and confidence and practice. It's why so many people, not only on Sundays, but on Mondays and Tuesday mornings and Thursday mornings, we say, wow, it really helps to sit together. And then when you go on retreat and you never talk to the other person, 
but listening to their breath, seeing, knowing that there's no noise coming from them, doesn't it just help you sit? Just help you kind of settle? Um, All those ways that the Sangha helps us practice. So there are these different ways of understanding the refuge, you know, certainly the inner and the outer. Then, you know, the doorways, inspiration and and practice. For those of you who may have read Philip Moffat's book, The Dancing with Life, he also talks about the three levels of insight for the four uh, noble truths um, of reflecting, of directly experiencing, and then knowing, knowing what you know. And that's another way of approaching the refuges. However you do it, these refuges, these triple gems, they're so essential in our practice. And they're all connected. Many teachers have said, and it took me a long time to understand what they were meaning. They'd say, to know the Dhamma is to know the Buddha. And I would add, to know the Buddhas, know the Dhamma. To know the Buddhas, know the Sangha. To know the Sangha is to know the Dhamma, to know the Buddha. We live the Dhamma. We share the Dhamma and Sangha. And as a result, we know the Buddha, both within and without. Last week, when we, we a few of us met, Warren quoted or maybe summarized a quote from Kitasaro that said that the Buddha didn't attain something like enlightenment. Rather, he awakened to what was already there. And for us, that's true, too. On this path, we awaken to what is already here. The Buddha within, the Dhamma within, the Sangha within, our ability to see clearly to live in the present, to notice greed, hatred, and delusion, and refrain as best as possible from living that out. So I want to end my talk this morning with this beautiful way that Thich Nhat Hanh's community, Plum Village, the way they talk, they do the taking the refuges. So just let these words kind of wash over you. I found them by putting into Google, taking refuge Plum Village or Thich Nhat Hanh, and it'll come up. And after each of these, I'll ring a bell. I take refuge in the Buddha, the one who shows me the way in this life. I take refuge in the Dhamma, the way of understanding and of love. I take refuge in the Sangha, the community that lives in harmony and awareness. Dwelling in the refuge of Buddha, I clearly see the path of light and beauty in the world. Dwelling in the refuge of Dhamma, I learn to open many doors on the path of transformation. Dwelling in the refuge of Sangha, shining light that supports me 
keeping my practice free of obstruction. Taking refuge in the Buddha in myself, I aspire to help all people recognize their own awakened nature, realizing the mind of love. Taking refuge in the Dhamma in myself, I aspire to help all people fully master the ways of practice and walk together on the path of liberation. Taking refuge in the Sangha in myself, I aspire to help all people build fourfold communities. That means nuns, monks, female lay devotees, and male lay devotees. I aspire to help all people build fourfold communities to embrace all beings and support their transformation. Thank you all for your kind attention and for being here and inspiring me to give that talk. Um, so we're gonna—I'm gonna divide us all into some breakout groups. And of course, as always, if you're not able to to stay, we bid you farewell and have a wonderful day and. Um, Come back again and join us. For those of you who can stay, I will create some breakout rooms. Just share what does the Buddha, the Dhamma, and the Sangha mean to you? What does it mean to take refuge? And if that doesn't work, how are you doing this morning? This is a chance to just connect with each other. So I'll give you... Oh, about 15 minutes, and um, uh, any questions? Everybody's good? Okay, so I'm going to create this, open all the rooms. Welcome back. I hope you all had a good, good sharing, and... Um, We've got time now to, for people to share anything that they would like to, ask any questions, offer any thoughts. Um, and I think you should be able to unmute. You know, when you go into the reactions button on the bottom of your screen, oh, see, Sean and Bruce already know how to do it. And you can hit the little hand and... Um, so, Sean and Bruce, please welcome. I seek refuge in Zoom. <laughs> Don't we? Isn't it the best? <laughs> Remember how much we hated it at the beginning? Yeah, we were just all talking about that. It's like, wow, this Zoom thing is just amazing. Uh, we connect with 
um, other sanghas where there's pe- 200 people from all over the world. I mean, it's just wow. unbelievable. Oh, isn't, yeah. isn't that a and, gift? And you, every Sunday morning, yes. it's like, gosh. Back at you. You come on and everybody says, hi, Bruce and Sean. Like, oh, wow, thank you. So such gratitude to um, this Sangha. Thank you, Bruce. Back at you. Yeah. Um, I wonder what the the Buddha would think if he, or, yeah, if he knew how we were all connecting in 2023. Isn't it something? It just blows my mind. And, of course, it goes back to the basic teaching that we all already were all connected, but we did. We weren't we didn't believe it. And we, you know, and Zoom actually is a teaching of that in a different high tech way of um, as people talk who go to the Thursday night thing. They talk about this guy from Australia who comes and I, I haven't met him, but. I don't even know what the time difference is there. So, yes, gratitude for Zoom. (laughs) Yeah. Claire, please. Yeah, I think that it's it's really cool to remember that Zoom didn't create our connection. Our connections have always been here. It's kind of like the, you know, we aren't going to attain – enlightenment or the buddha you know it's within us they're really similar thank you for that such wisdom it's true yeah and i sometimes think about what would it have been like living in the pandemic without this kind of technology you know and um there's a yeah a lot to be grateful for there too yeah Anyone else? Charlotte, hi. Happy New Year. Thank you. Happy New Year to you, too. Uh, I attended Stephen Kamala's uh, retreat from wherever it was in Canada. And one of the things that uh, uh, Kamala said that I've been really resonating with is letting go of the hopes for a better past. That's been a bugaboo for me that those Oh, you did this. Oh, you did this. Oh, ooh, ooh. And so um, I'm really, really enjoying the uh, prospect of using that phrase. Oh. And then, you know, coming coming here and hearing, seeing all these familiar faces, it's, it warms my heart. Thank you. Letting go of the hope. For a different past. Oh my. For a better past. And a better past. Absolutely, yeah. And for a past that didn't include this, that, and the other thing. Yeah, exactly. Wow, I think everybody can identify with that one. And just those that's another one of those moments of freedom. That you you know you've stepped on that path of letting go of that hope and all of what you learn in that process it's really beautiful. Yeah, thanks for sharing that, Charlotte. Amy, glad to see you again. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Um, Suze, thank you for your talk. It was lovely. 
And um, I didn't expect to take refuge this morning, and I'm so glad that I did. And I also wanted just to, well, to say thank you to the two lovely ladies who are in my breakout group. Um, We had a really touching conversation for me, and um, part of it was what is so lovely about Sangha? (laughs) So, um, you know, everyone has their own path. Um, There definitely is some dealing, I would say all of us are aware of aging and illness and how it's affecting our lives and how the Dharma is such a powerful tool. And, And us talking about it conveyed to me how Sangha is such a powerful tool as well. Um, so it, um, it, it felt very poignant and I'm touched this morning. That's taking refuge in the Sangha inside. That's just what you just described what I was talking about and what these teachers talk about, about the inner and the outer. Yeah. Thank you, Amy. Anyone else? Lyndall, there's a sweetheart that has come up on your on your screen. Did you want to say something? I could say something. I mean I just I just echo that too. Thank you so much for that beautiful talk. In our group we all mentioned how inspiring that was and how it really encouraged us in this ne- these next months to explore what it actually means to take refuge mm-hmm. on a sort of a outer level and on that inner level too. So you inspired us, Suze. Thank you. <laughs> you know, just a, a personal comment that... Um, It's been such a gift that Tawari and Tim gave to me anyway in saying, hey, you've been doing this a long time. We think you can help us get this Sunday thing started and be be an LDL. And um, taking the Dharma seat, which Rodney encouraged me in a group many years ago, so changed, so deepened my uh, connection there's something about being the one who manages the Zoom and set, shares these words where you go, okay, what does this really mean to me? And and then everybody else steps up and does the same thing. It's like in these breakout groups, all of you taking the Dharma seat, you know, of saying, this is how this is how I live it. This is where it is for me. And it's such an opportunity, and um, I am appreciative of all of you taking the opportunity. So, thanks. I ask you also to remember Donna, both with financial support for Seattle Insight. And also the embodied uh, support by stepping up and being involved and offering your your skills and your time. So feel free to uh, unmute and say goodbye and have a lovely 
at least in Seattle, lovely wet bay where <laughs> we all are. And um, we'll see you soon.